Good morning. You guys are awake this morning, aren't you? Live, alert, enthusiastic. If you have your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 12. Um, had the privilege this week of going on a field trip with my daughter, uh, Kaylin, or Carly. And uh, we went to uh, the Vos Prairie. How many of you guys have been to the Vos Prairie? Hardly any of you. It's like the, it's like a, this prairie of this, how do I describe, I can't even describe it. It's like this, this treasure out in Minburn. How many of you guys have been to Minburn? Oh, okay. Scott, you've been to Minburn, haven't you? A million times. Scott lives close to Minburn. Yeah, they have good burgers in Minburn. Okay. Well, anyway, they have a great prairie in Minburn, and so we're out at Vos Prairie, and uh, we're out there hunting for treasures, learning how to use our compasses, and one of the things that they asked us to do was to tag butterflies. And so not only just any butterfly, but the monarch butterfly. And so um, we're out there tagging butterflies, and one of the things that they asked you to do was once you tagged them, the kids would put them on their noses, right? And the butterflies would kind of spread their wings, and I've got a few pictures of kids with butterflies in their noses. And then they would have them say this. They would, they would say, all right, ready, everybody? One, two, three. Oh, have you guys been out there before? Be free is kind of what happened. And then the butterfly, whether it wanted to go off your nose or not, one kid stayed on for about five minutes, but they would fly off into, into, the, into the air. And I think that's part of Paul's purpose uh, for writing Romans, um, freedom. One, two, three, be free. <laughs> Ask Jesus to, to be a part of your life and to save you from your sins and, to, and then t- to be free, to live in the freedom of Christ. Um, I want you to put up the picture here of this, uh, of this chrysalis. We'll go right past that. I stole that from Drew from last week. By the way, Drew did a great job preaching, did he not? A great job in presenting the word of God. Thank you, Drew. Um, and so you kind of see, you can kind of get this picture with butterflies of just what maybe Paul is talking about when he says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, metamorphosis that's taking place. You know, we're, we're bound up, right? We're bound up and, and we're worms. We start as the worm and uh, we're bound up in our, in our sin, um, our selfish ways of living. Uh, the Jews were bound up in their religious traditions um, but the good news is, is that Jesus came to set the Gentiles free, and he came to set the Jews free, and he came to bring and make them into one church, one body of Christ that could live out the freedom that's found in Christ. Um, put up that next slide there. And so this, this is what God intended for us. He intended for us to live free. That was God's purpose for us. And, uh, and so... We, we looked at God's plan for us in Romans chapters 1 through 11, and then we get to Romans chapter 12, and Paul begins then to describe what is it like to be free? What's it like to live in freedom? Uh, there's a new way of living. And these concepts are radical. They're contrary to our nature. They are. They're difficult. Um, but... The scripture tells us in Romans chapter 12, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There's a new way for us to think, a new way for us to live, a new way of seeing things, living out the purpose that God created us for. 
And uh, there's a scripture in Ephesians chapter 4, in verses 22 through 24. It says this. It says, you were taught with your former way of life to put off your old self. Put off that, that chrysalis. Let go of that stuff, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. We know that, don't we? We know that old way of living, that, that our, there's deceit in, in our hearts oftentimes. And, we need, and he says, put those off and to be made new in the attitude of your minds. We're being made new, being free to fly. And then he says, and, put, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. God's intention for us is that we were created to be like God. Not to be God, but to be like God. God created us then, and so if we have this, this sin that we're bound up in, we have, to, we have to live the transformed life. Our, our attitudes, our nature has to be transformed. And so God's, uh, he's going to call us here to a different way of thinking, transformed attitudes, created to be like God. And when you start to read these things in Romans chapter 12, you begin to see that these are really qualities that Jesus modeled for us. As we read through these, these verses this morning, we're going to see that Jesus was the example for us. And as I was reading this week and studying, I was often, I was reminded of, of Jesus. Oh, Jesus did that. That's how Jesus lived when he was on the earth. So let's read the verses. Uh, we're going we're gonna to read Romans 12 and verse 14. It says, bless those who persecute you. Think about Jesus there. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. And looking at verse 14, God's mercy, in view of God's mercy, do these things. In view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. In view of God's mercy, bless those who persecute you. How difficult is that? It is, isn't it? You ever been persecuted? Or, and maybe not to the level that he's talking about here. How many of you have been persecuted for your faith, for what you believe? Yeah. yeah. In your line of work. Been persecuted for your faith? Um, Jesus was persecuted, wasn't he? Jesus set the example for us. Um, in your outlines, it says 2 Peter 2 and verse 19, but it really means 1 Peter 2, uh, verse 19, because there is no 23 in, in 2 Peter. But in, in 1 Peter 2, um, 19 through, through 23, it says this. Um, go ahead and put that up there. Oh, we'll come back to that. Sorry, we'll come back to that. It says, for this finds favor. If for the sake of conscience towards God, a person bears up under sorrows when suffering unjustly. For what credit is, it, is there if when you sin and are harshly treated, you endure it with patience? But if you do what is right and suffer for it, you patiently endure it. This finds favor with God. And look at the example of Jesus. For you have been called for this purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, 
leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps, who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. And while being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. That's what Jesus did, didn't he, at the cross? While they were hurling insults at him, the crowds are are shouting at him, crucify him. Jesus is not, he has no sin. He's being unjustly crucified. And yet, he doesn't hurl insults at them. He doesn't revile back. And God calls us to that same kind of mercy. God's mercy calls us to bless our enemies. You know how difficult that is? It's very difficult. Our natural response when we're persecuted, when we're attacked, is to what? Revile back, attack back. And yet Jesus commands us uh, in Luke chapter 6, in verses 35 and 36, he says, but I tell you, love your enemies. Do good to them. How many of you can do good to your enemies? <laughs> it's difficult, isn't it? And to, and to lend the, with, to them without expecting to get anything back. And notice the promise then. Then your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High. Because what is God like? God is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful then, just as your heavenly Father is merciful. God's mercy calls us to bless our enemies. And I think the persecution that he's talking about in this verse, we don't, we don't experience that yet. We've not been persecuted, so to speak, for our faith. But there are brothers and sisters all over the world who are being persecuted for what they believe in. And I wanted to show you a story here. Uh, this was a couple of years ago in 2014. Um, this is Miriam. We can learn something from this, from this child. So let's, let's go back then to that slide and, and show that video about two slides back. بنوتة فوجئت هي بتقول إن هي بتفرج على ليش هيك واسمها مريم زيك يا مريم زينة أنت كيفك أنا زي الفل أنت بتفرج على ليش هيك فعلا أيوة حبي ست سبين كيدز إيه أنت فين بلدك جاي من قرقوش برضو أيوة من قرقوش أنا طيب أنت عندك عشر سنين مش كده أيوة طيب قوليلي أنت بقالك قد إيه هنا في المخيم أربعة شهور إيه أكتر حاجة أنت حاسة إن هي كنت بتحبيها في قرقوش مش موجودة هنا دلوقتي في المخيم عندنا بيت وكنا متونسين بس يعني هنا ما متونسين بس الحمد لله يعني الله سترنا قصدك ايه يعني ايه الله سترنا يعني الله حب حبنا و... وما قبل يعني يقتلونا داعش طيب انت حاسه قد ايه ربنا بيحبك صح ايوه ربنا بيحبنا كلنا مو مو بس انا كل الناس يحبوهم الله وانت شايفه ان ربنا كمان بيحب الناس اللي ممكن تبقى اذتك وزعلتك ولا لا يحبوهم بس ما يحب الشيطان طب انت شايفه انت حاسه باي ناحيه الناس اللي ممكن تبقى 
خرجتك من البيت وتعبتك ما راح اسويهم ولا شيء بس يعني اقول لله يسامحهم وانت تقدري تسامحيهم كمان ايوه بس دي حاجه صعبه قوي ولا حاجه سهله ان انا اعرف اسامح الناس اللي تعبتني يا مريم ما راح اقتلهم يعني ليه اقتلهم بس بس زعلانه ليه طلعوني من بيتنا طلعونا من بيتنا طيب Isn't that, isn't that amazing? Here's a 10-year-old girl who's been taken from her home and, and taken to a camp. Uh, the Christians were persecuted in 2014 by ISIS and had to move um, away and had to go to these, these places. And here's this girl, and what does she say? I don't want to kill them. I want to, I forgive them. God calls us to that. He's saying, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. How many of us far away <laughs> from that situation would want to call down fire from heaven and call down curses? It's in our hearts, isn't it? It's our natural response to these kinds of things is, God, wipe them all out. And yet, God shows mercy and God calls us to show mercy to our enemies. He says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. I remember um, the pattern of this world, right? Conforming to the pattern. Of this, well, the pattern of this world is to fight back. I saw it in the factory. Um, man, it was, a, it was a nasty place, in the factory. And, and when guys would get crazy and start to attack one guy, what would the guy do? They were just trying to get him to respond, right? Get him to to respond back. And I remember one day where, you know, Chuck was just going at this guy all day long, and finally the guy broke. And he, he whipped out his hammer, threw it down off the fact, threw it down off the scaffolding at him, and jumped down off the scaffolding and said, let's take this outside. We're going we're gonna to fight this out. And, it, and that kind of response didn't solve anything. It only created more cursing, more fighting in the factory. While I was there, <laughs> they knew that I was a Christian, and, uh, and they knew that I was a pastor before I came there. And boy, they talk about hurling insults. Man, they called names, and, and I remember the first couple months that I was there, they were saying, get this guy out of here. Get him out of here. Get him out of here. I just remember hearing that shouted from the scaffolding. And, you know, being a believer and knowing these things, knowing that God calls us to bless and not curse our enemies, I held my tongue, bit my tongue. Summer comes, and we're working in a hot factory. There is no air conditioning in the factory. And, and by now, I've gotten good at my job. It took me about six months, but I got good at my job. And so I got done ahead of those guys now. And so the water cooler's outside, and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to get these guys some water and take this into them. It's a way for us to bless those who persecute us, to bless our enemies. And you know, in September, when it was time to leave the factory and God called me here, what were those guys saying? Man, you can't leave us. Don't leave us. We want you to stay here. God's ways are radical, 
But, but God knows better than we do, and God calls us to bless our enemies. Why? It's not always for them. It's not always for your enemies. Sometimes it's for you. I could have harbored bitterness in my heart and anger. Instead, I chose to forgive and chose to bless. And God rewards that. And, and even vile unbelievers see that and hopefully bring glory to God. And so he says, bless and do not curse. And I know some of you are in situations where it's difficult. It's difficult to live this out. Maybe you're in a tough, tough situation in your marriage. It's difficult to bless those who are, who are persecuting you. But yet God calls us to that. And uh, Paul's going to talk about that more next week, so I don't want to steal his thunder. But, but um, So let's move on. So then we go to verse 15. And he says, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. God's mercy it calls us to celebrate and, and to, rather than sympathize, I wanted to change that word. We, we talked about this this summer, and to empathize with one another. So if you look at your outlines, change that to empathize. God's mercy calls us to celebrate and empathize with one another. He says, rejoice with those who rejoice. And this may be the harder command than the second one, right? To rejoice with those who are, being, who are doing well, who are having success, that can be difficult sometimes, but when I really belong to a group, its successes are my successes. Its disappointments are my disappointments. And God's calling the church there the free, to live in freedom to celebrate and rejoice with those who are rejoicing within the fellowship. Jews, rejoice that the Gentiles have been included in the gospel. Rejoice with them. What were the Jews doing? The Jews were like, you can't be in here. You haven't been circumcised. You don't follow our religious traditions. They were sad that the, that the Gentiles had been included. He's saying, rejoice. It's hard to do that sometimes, isn't it? It's difficult to rejoice and celebrate with someone when you desire their happiness. When you desire maybe a relationship that they're in, when you desire the success that they're having at work, it can become difficult to rejoice in that, to rejoice in someone else as well, someone else doing well. It's difficult to celebrate that sometimes, isn't it? Or their health or their gifts or their reputation. And he's saying, celebrate, rejoice with those who are rejoicing. Why is it difficult to do that? Because our natural tendency is to want to envy. Envy those. But he says, no, rejoice. Celebrate. 1 Corinthians 12, 26 says it this way. He says, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. It also says this, if one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Can you celebrate the success of someone else? Can you do that? It can be challenging. But God calls us to that. His ways are higher than our ways. His ways are radical. And then he, and then he says, mourn with those who mourn. 
or maybe empathize, understand and enter into their suffering with them. We looked at that this summer, didn't we? To have compassion, to share in their suffering, sufferings. That may be easier for us to do. I mean, we think about this week, we celebrated, what is it, 16 years uh, since 9-11. Did I get that right? Yeah, 16 years. And we're still mourning with those who are mourning. There's some images um, to mourn. Um, it's to enter into their suffering. So much of the nation went to New York after this happened. Maybe some of you were even there to, to come alongside these people who had suffered such a great tragedy. The body of Christ, I think, I think it's designed, and I think it does that uh, when someone's mourning. We come alongside of them and mourn. Jesus certainly modeled this in his ministry, didn't he? Remember when Lazarus passed away? <laughs> and Mary and Martha are weeping. And we have that shortest verse in the Bible where it says that Jesus, Jesus comes on the scene. What does it say? That Jesus wept. Some of your versions say, weep with those who weep. And we, we wonder when someone else is suffering, how do we enter into that with them? How do we mourn with those who are mourning? Do you know that, that a lot of times you don't have to say anything? You really don't have to say anything. You don't have to try to fix what they're going through. You don't have to try to explain to, to them for God what they're going through. You don't have to do those things. You simply come alongside of them, put your shoulder, <laughs> put your arm around their shoulder, and weep. Weep. Sometimes that's the most effective thing that we can do for others who are going through something difficult. You ever experienced that? You ever, you ever had someone come alongside of you when you were mourning? And a lot of times, it's the people that don't say anything. They just give you a hug. They just let you know that you're not alone in your suffering. And he calls the body to mourn with those who mourn. I mean, right now, we're sending, we're sending people um, to Hurricane Harvey to just be there. There are chaplains that are being trained to go there. Southern Baptists probably are one of the best organizations in the world at, at sending relief and helping those who are mourning. Um, they're headed there right now to just be there. They're chaplains that are trained to just weep with those who are weeping. God's mercy calls us to that because <laughs> there are times when we're mourning and and, and we can then be merciful to others as well. And then verse 16, he says this, Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. God's mercy calls us to humility. He, God calls us to humility. And who better to exemplify that than the Lord Jesus Christ? The Lord Jesus had everything. 
And yet in Philippians 2, we see that Jesus Christ humbled himself. He took on the form of a lowly servant, and he endured the cross. He gave up the riches of heaven so that you could be forgiven, so that you could be set free. The one man who knew no sin became sin for you, was pierced for you. His blood was spilt for you at the cross so that you could be set free, so that you could live in freedom. God is humble. (laughs) Jesus is humble. Jesus humbled himself, taking on the form of a servant. We see Jesus washing and modeling this by washing his, his disciples' feet. Jesus was humble. He says, live in harmony with one another. Some of your versions say, be of the same mind toward one another. Um, God, uh, Paul repeats this often. Um, he says in Romans 15, verse 5, he says, Now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus. And then he repeats this idea three times in his letters to the Philippians. I think I have those verses up there. He says in in Philippians 1 and verse 27, he says, Only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or remain absent, I will hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. He goes on in in, in verse 2, Chapter 2 and verse 2, and he says this. um, Make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. And then he makes it personal, doesn't he? He says, I urge Yodia and I urge Syntek to live in harmony in the Lord. Live in harmony is literally in the Greek to think the same thing. He's addressing a conflict within the church. And he says, live in harmony with one another. Does that mean that we have to think the same thing all the time? Is that what he's saying, to be of one mind? I don't think so. Yeah. Paul isn't saying that we, that we have to think alike or agree on every issue. Um, that is not going to happen in this life. You know that, right? Rather, he's calling us to be unified based on the common salvation that we have, the shared purpose that we have in the gospel, our shared hope in Jesus Christ causes us to be one with our brothers and sisters. And we don't set aside truth. We don't set aside um, doctrine um, for the sake of unity because that would be to compromise the gospel. But God calls us to live with humility, to live with gentleness, to be one in spirit. And you know what? That's my prayer for the church. Ever since I've been here, um, way back 12 years ago, that is the one prayer that I pray for this church all the time, that God would give us a spirit of unity in the body and a bond of peace. Because you know what? I've been a part of bodies of Christ that that is not the case. That there's a lot of fighting over things that don't really matter. 
A lot of things that, that aren't important are the things that, <laughs> that they're fighting over. And, and Paul is saying here, he's saying, live in harmony with one another, church. And I'm going to continue to pray that prayer and pray that God gives us a spirit of unity. And then he says, do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Another version says it this way. It says, do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. And I think it's possible here that Paul could mean a couple of things. He could mean tasks. Don't set your mind on high positions, high tasks. Don't, don't say that there's nothing that's too low for you to be involved in, too low for you to do within the body. Um, and he could also be talking about people here. Um, so there's no task that is beneath someone who's humble. There is none. And there's no celebrity worship when our attitudes have been transformed by the mercy of God. There is no putting people up on a pedestal. Rather, he's saying associate with people of low position. And again, Jesus models this in his ministry, doesn't he? Who did Jesus associate with? Who did Jesus spend his time with? Sinners. He spent his time a lot with the poor. Those who had nothing. Jesus was there, humbly serving. And as the body of Christ, God calls us to that same thing. God calls us to serve those who are the least among us. When we studied James, the book of James, James addressed this, didn't he? And, he, and his conclusion was this. Listen, my dear brothers, has God not chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom? He promised those who love him. God's chosen the poor in the eyes of the world to be blessed. And he's saying, don't be proud. Don't be too proud to associate with those kinds of people. But be willing to associate with people of a low position. Got to check our hearts here. Um, but you know what? I think that's one of Crossroads' strengths as a, as a body of Christ. I think that's what makes Crossroads great. And then he says, do not be conceited or don't be wise in your own eyes or don't think that you know everything. Ever met a know-it-all? Ever met people who know everything? Oh. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Um, sometimes when God does something that we think is unjust, we get wise in our own eyes, don't we? Or when the Scripture says something that we don't like what it says, what do we do? We get wise in our own eyes. We, we become conceited. Did God really say that? Does that? Is that really what the Bible says? Oh, he can't possibly say that. We don't know the mind of God. We don't, God's thoughts and his ways are too wonderful and too high for us. And yet, often, we question, does the Bible really say that? And you, it does. I found this verse this week. 
and I, and I really like it. It's Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24. And it says this. It says, let not the wise man boast of his wisdom. Don't boast in your education. <laughs> or the strong man boast of his strength. Look how great I am, God. Look how strong I am. I can handle this on my own. Or the rich man boast of his riches. I have everything that I need. I don't need anything. I don't need you. But let him who boasts, boast about this, that he understands and that he knows me. I'm going to make my boast in the Lord, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on the earth. For in these I delight, declares the Lord. Let him understand this, the way that we're not conceited, the way that we can avoid becoming conceited is to, is to make our boast in the Lord and make our boast in his wisdom, make our boast in, in his riches, make our boast in the Lord's strength so that we don't depend so much on ourselves. Paul Balash wrote a song, I will, I will boast in the Lord my God. I will boast in the one who's worthy. I'm going to make my boast in the Lord. God's mercy calls us to live in humility. So the question is, how, how transformed are your attitudes? <laughs> how transformed? How free are you, really? Are you, do you bless those who wrong you? You get cut off in traffic, and, uh, and you pray for that person. You bless the persecutor there, or whatever sort of mal, it's just so insignificant, isn't it? Yeah. What do you do there? I'm going to pray for you. <laughs> yeah. Or empathizing with people and their joys in their sorrows? Are you practicing humility towards one another in the body? Um, are you quick to take on the jobs that no one else wants, um, that maybe have no earthly status or no recognition? Um, or are you relying on your own strength and your own wisdom? You know, if you need to grow in those areas, we go to the foot of the cross. We turn our eyes upon Jesus, as Karen talked about. We look in his face. We see his example, and, and we seek him. And that's what I want us to do now. So let's think about these things. How transformed are your attitudes? Just look back to this week in your life. What was this week like for you? Think back to the attitudes of your heart. Let's pray. Father, and we're thankful, God, for your word. Uh, we're thankful, God, that um, for your word because, Lord, um, I don't know that we would know how to live with, without it, God. Um, these things don't come naturally, God. These things are radical. And, Lord, our desire and our heart is to be transformed, God, by the, 
or the renewing of our minds, but that can be difficult, Lord. Um, so often, God, um, we fail, Lord, in these simple things. Well, they're not simple. And God, we need you to forgive us. We need you to continue, God, to give us mercy. Lord, mercy that will meet us, God, in our time of need. We continue to fall on your grace, God. We continue to fall, God, on your mercy. Father, would you, through your Holy Spirit, speak to us, God, when we become proud? God, would you speak to our hearts? God, would you call us to humility? Lord, when we want to curse those who have wronged and hurt us, God, Lord, would you call us, God, to forgiveness? Would you call us, God, to, to blessing those? And Lord, when, when others succeed, God, and maybe we feel like we're not succeeding, Lord, would you give us the humility in that, God, to celebrate um, that person? to celebrate with them their success, Lord. Or in mourning, God. Lord, would you cause us not to, in mourning, go, wow, good, I'm glad that's not me. God, but would you cause us, God, to enter into someone else's suffering? To really mourn, God, to really come alongside of them and weep with them, Lord. God, give us the humility and the selflessness, God, to be able to do that. Lord, we thank you for Jesus, and we thank you for his example at the cross. We thank you that Jesus has done all of this. God, we know what you're like through Jesus. And so we're thankful for Jesus, and we want to continue, God, to fix our eyes on him. Because Jesus alone is worthy, God, of our worship and our thoughts um, and for setting the direction and course of our lives. So it's in his name that we pray. Amen.